1: Oh, absolutely. When I think about all of the things that books and reading have brought to me, I mean, I've grown as a person because of those stories. And I think that they definitely tell you a lot about a person.
0: Welcome to Scrapbook Your Way, the show that explores the breadth of ways to be a memory keeper today. I'm your host, Jennifer Wilson, owner of Simple Scrapper and author of The New Rules of Scrapbooking. This is episode 39. In this episode, I'm joined by Amy Melenchenko, our creative team leader at Simple Scrapper, to explore how a love of story has shaped her experience in reading as well as memory keeping. Hey, Amy, how are you today? I'm good, thank you. I am so glad to have you on the podcast. We have worked together for what seems like forever now. I think this is going to be a fun conversation all about books and reading and how that intersects um, to some degrees a lot and to some degrees not so much with
1: our memory keeping. Well, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here.
0: So could you just start off by sharing a little about yourself, where you live, all that jazz so people can get to know you a little bit better?
1: Sure. Uh, I'm Amy Melenchenko. Uh I live in the suburbs of Richmond, Virginia, with my husband, Paul, and two of our three kids, uh, Megan and Alex, our 14-year-old uh, new freshmen this year, and our oldest, uh, Sammy, lives in Uh, Pittsburgh, and she's working as an accountant uh, after graduating from Clemson with her master's in accounting. Um, And I'm a project manager with a bank, and I'm also the creative team leader uh, at Simple Scrapper. And I've been scrapbooking since high school, but not kind of archivally friendly um, until 2000. Uh, And I'm primarily a digital scrapbooker these days. And when did you kind of make that shift from paper to digital? Uh, I shifted from paper to digital in 2005, right around the time my twins were born. Um, in part because of physical clutter, we had a small house and with two new babies, uh, it was challenging. And also because I was struggling a little uh, with creating, phys- With I was kind of, Products would be I'd be like, I love this so much. I'm almost afraid to use it on a page. What if I mess it up? Um, um, Yeah. (laughs) So that undo button in Photoshop was really um, a big draw for me initially.
0: Oh, I bet. Well, and I think that that is a common challenge uh, for every type of scrapbook or even even in digital scrapbooking. Sometimes like I don't can I make a layout that even like really honors and justifies the use of this beautiful kit. And it can stop us from being productive because we want to we want it to be as high quality as the products that we're using. And because there's so many things
1: that are so beautiful. Yes, yes. I, I still love the paper stuff. I, I'm always looking at it and seeing what's new because I love it so much. But um, I have found that ultimately, uh, digital seems to work better for me most of the time, and I'm a little bit more productive. Uh, but it calls to me sometimes the paper, the paper goodies.
0: I bet. And you know how <laughs> I started in digital You know, not long yeah. after you did, and then just totally... It called a lot harder and <laughs> and I actually had a lot of cravings to get offline or to, yeah, to get off the computer and really work more with my hands because I was working so much on the computer and um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's always fascinating to hear everyone's stories and as well as what is exciting them right now in this hobby. That's one of the reasons this is called Scrapbook Your Way. And that, and we also celebrate that your way is going to change over time. And there's always something new that's really motivating us and getting us to the table because it's not going to be the same thing week after week, month after month, year after year. So what's exciting you right now, Amy?
1: So given that I just talked about the fact that I'm a digital scrapbooker, this may be a little bit of a surprise, but traveler's notebooks. So oh, it's yeah. Just, yeah. There's just something about the size that appeals to me. And, and although again, I'm all, almost exclusively digital, I, I can't stop staring at them and the pages and projects that people create with them. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I haven't purchased one anything yet, but uh, I am kind of working through what I may be able to do with it um, because it's it's really appealing to me and maybe it'll allow me to do a little bit of the paper stuff that I like while also kind of keeping it in a smaller space. Mm-hmm. So yeah I'm excited. Oh, that sounds so
0: fun. Yeah, I can't wait to see what you do with that. It's definitely called to me to a certain degree, too. So I have one project I'm working on. Um, It's a mini book from a a trip from very long ago. And it definitely helped satisfy that craving. So I think once you figure out what you want to do with it, you'll be able to jump in as
1: well. Yeah, I'm excited.
0: So the thing that's exciting me right now, it seems almost kind of silly, but, um, I have subscribed to citrus twist kits off and on, and they include these printable or they're, they're printable, they're pre-printed labels and they're, you know, they're, they're cut your own labels. And so this one I'm holding in my hand here has, let's see, six, seven, eight on a page. Um, Let's see, four or five. This one has nine. So they have about, you know, eight, nine, ten labels on a page. And you cut them yourself. And there's two reasons I like these. One is just that that meditative act of fussy cutting really kind of helped calm my nerves and just really like get me into the zone. And I felt like I was being productive without having to put a lot of brain power in it. So I enjoyed that part. And then of course, once I, I cut out like probably 10 of these sheets at once, and then I had this stack of labels. And so I've been putting these labels on basically every page that I make and I use it for my date stamps. Um, Cause I'm a nervous stamper. I don't if I can help it, I don't want to stamp directly on my page. I love to stamp on other things because if something should all hell breaks loose and I mess up, I just grab another, you know, label or whatever. Um, So that's why I am loving these. They're very cute. They coordinate well with the products, obviously, and all these different colors and they're just, they're fun. And I I also liked that process of just cutting them out. It really felt very satisfying. Yeah. I think
1: that's some of what I miss is that, that, physical action, and then having kind of a stack of something there um, to at the end that you can kind of use and, and play with as you go. That's awesome. They sound great. Well, I wonder if maybe like a true
0: hybrid approach would help you with travelers notebooks, like look for some products that you can print and then
1: cut. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking as well. Um, using some of the the digital kits that I have and, and playing with them that way and seeing how that works. So and maybe I'll I'll start thinking about that and how to how to do that.
0: Well, and Audrey on our creative team, she does a lot of that. She like she loves shopping digitally because she hates shopping for real stuff. And and she mentioned this in the podcast. And so she makes so many hybrid layouts and you wouldn't ever know. They look like just regular paper layouts, but almost all the products
1: tend to be digitals that she has printed out and cut. Yes. I love her pages. I love how she mixes it up and, you know, she'll have physical things, you know, um, but also lots of little digital elements that you get, like you just said, you would not know they were digital. Um, It's, it's kind of a cool mix. So yeah, maybe I'll, I'll use her as some inspiration to, start working on a traveler's notebook. Awesome.
0: So one of the other things we love to do on the podcast is to talk about our bucket list. Now, as you know, we released this bucket list tool this year that allows you to gather just 12 stories that you want to tell before you quote unquote, kick the bucket. It's just a way of taking some time out to make sure that we're telling the important stories, the, the deeper and more significant ones, as well as the everyday stories, the ones with beautiful photos, the the birthday stories. It's, it's just another way of making sure that our storytelling is well-rounded. So what's one story that's on your memory-keeping bucket list?
1: So it's it's kind of funny given our topic of discussion today, but the story that I've really been wanting to tell and trying to figure out the best way to do so is how my mother, my father, and my grandmother each really helped encourage my love of reading. Uh, and it's such an important story to me that I want to be sure that I do it the right way. And there are so many little pieces to that. And I keep struggling with whether to do one page or a page about each of them. Um, and so that's kind of why it's still sitting on that list. Um, because I'm still kind of thinking through the best way to tell the story, but I, it's, it's an important way to see how I came to reading the way that I did, uh, and how I continued to be a reader over time because of the influence of the three of them. Even today, uh, my mom and, and dad are big influences uh, in terms of my reading life. So um, so that's really the story that I'm still trying to figure out the best way to to tell. I wonder if you could do that in a traveler's notebook. You know, I was actually just thinking that as I was talking, I was thinking, you know what, this might be the thing. <laughs> then you could use lots of fun
0: little book goodies—the ones that maybe you like, like you want especially, especially paper goodies you've kind of eyed but didn't really have a use for. And that that just seems like that would fit you so well.
1: Yeah, I th- I think that might might that might push me over the edge. I may have to start collecting some of those physical supplies that I've been keeping an eye on.
0: Ah, that's a I'm, great idea. I'm so excited that. for you. Well, you've provided a great segue here into our conversation. So just to give um, our audience some context of why, you know, this conversation is going to be a little bit more about books and reading and not so much about scrapbooking. We'll talk a little bit about scrapbooking, but I wanted to give that context because on November 1st, we're going to be announcing the 2020 selections for our Simple Scrapper Book Club. This is our online reading group that uses personal development wisdom from a range of authors to improve our scrapbooking and our creative lives as a whole. And so in celebration of this upcoming announcement, that's why I've invited Amy here and to share how she as a memory keeper does reading and how these things intersect with her life and how it all comes together. So maybe you could start by telling us about your journey with books and you've given us some hints for sure. And when scrapbooking also came into the picture. So you said that you started scrapbooking in high school and I'm just, yeah, I'm curious about
1: how all this, this uh, played out for you. Sure. Well, I I truly cannot remember a time that I wasn't a reader. Some of my earliest memories are um, sitting in my room at my grandmother's house reading Cinderella. Um, I've always cherished books and stories. To me, there's nothing better as a kid than curling up and reading a book. Um, and I was surrounded by readers. So I, as I mentioned earlier, my mother, my father, my grandmother were all avid readers. There were books all over both, you know, my my mom's house, my dad's house, and my grandmother's house. So I, um, there, I just don't remember a time when books and reading wasn't part of our daily life. Um, and I also would say that I loved stories of any kind. So uh, some of my other favorite memories of childhood were just kind of sitting around and listening to the adults in our family tell. Family stories. Um, so, stories had kind of always, you know, lit me up, so to speak. Uh, and in fact, my initial choice of career was social work. So, I was a social worker for a number of years. And when I look back, I think that part of my being attracted to that work was that it involved hearing people's stories and then helping them reach their goals. Um, and so, I think that that love of story and books and reading is eventually what led me to scrapbooking. Um, I I mean, I have been collecting stories and memories and scrapbooks since high school. Um, I never, I never called it scrapbooking. And in fact, I never thought of it as scrapbooking. Um, I thought of it as just putting photo albums together. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I look back, I mean, I was uh, documenting more than just photos. I was including stories and memorabilia and and more in those books. And um, so I was scrapbooking, even if I wouldn't have called it that. Uh, but then in 2000, which is uh, when we were planning our wedding, um, I said, you know what, I think I want to do kind of an like a scrapbook a real scrapbook of the planning process so i went to michael's and i bought several books on scrapbooking because i always start with books with anything um and spent a couple of weeks reading everything i could uh online and in these books that i bought about scrapbooking and then i went and bought a pile of supplies and just kind of jumped in and started putting pages together and i've never really stopped since then um I did, like I said, shift from paper to digital. Um, but other than that, I mean, I have been creating, creating pages uh, since 2000 and, um, one of my first projects after our wedding planning scrapbook, uh, was a books I love album, um, which I've kind of shifted away from and I'm doing some other things with that. But I do love going back and, and looking at the books that I chose for that album and what I wrote about them. And that's part of why scrapbooking, um, is so important to me because it's a way for me to tell our family stories and the things that we cared about. Um, in a way that, uh, will keep them alive for future generations.
0: Well, I think you've, you've brought up one of the things I was really curious about is that how much have you, has your reading throughout the years played into the stories that you are scrapbooking? And it sounds like it does. And obviously you've been our creative team. I have seen pages that you've made about it as well. Um, and I think mm-hmm. that's that that might be a, a facet that sometimes is overlooked. Like we see that sometimes, but I think as a whole, memory keepers may not be thinking that they have all these other things they're doing in their lives that they could be putting on a page. And you may, you may not even have a photo of your, yourself reading. Now you might, but others don't, but you can use the covers of books. You can use so many ways you can document what you're reading without having a,
1: a literal photo of that act absolutely yeah some of my favorite pages that i've created as as part of simple scrapper have been pages about books um and i do i i do every year i do kind of a top 5 books of the year page um and then if i love a book i'm known to create a whole page about that book and why i liked it um and i i it's such an important part of my life that i don't think it makes sense to tell my story without including books and reading. But I think you're absolutely right. There are a lot of people who are reading every day and it's a part of their life and they just don't think about that when they scrapbook. they're thinking about birthdays and they're thinking about um, you know ball games and that kind of thing and and forgetting about this facet of their life that is a little quieter than some of those things. And like you said, um you don't always have pictures of it.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it is can be like this, this very, you know, large and significant part of your life. And so it almost seems like it's, uh, it's so important to include that at least some of the time.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would, I, I think to myself all the time like i would love to see what my grandmother was reading when i was her when she was my age you know what was she, what were cuz i know she was reading mm-hmm. <laughs> based on what you know what i know of her um and i would have loved to be able to look in a scrapbook and see, um, what are the books that really, um, mattered to her when she was my age? Um, so I, I definitely think it's valuable and something to think about, um, including in your scrapbooks.
0: Well, and those, I think those stories about what people are reading tell a lot about their personality and their interests and just, they help to flesh out the story of their life.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, when I, think about all of the things that books and reading have brought to me. I mean, I've grown as a person because of those stories. Mm -hmm. And I think that, um, you know, they definitely tell you a lot about a person. Well, and I think this just
0: the way you've described your whole journey here and this whole experience, it really... It highlights why I think our book club has been so successful because those of us that that enjoy stories, like there's just, there's so much, so much intersection, you can't separate them. This is just who we are as people. And the fact that then we can just dig into the, the introspective part and personal development and the, you know, quote unquote, self-help type books helps us just fulfill that desire to improve ourselves and keep learning and, you know, keep doing what we do even better.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Definitely.
0: So we know you do like a little bit of nonfiction here because that's what we do in the book club. But what other genres do you really
1: enjoy? I'd say that I have kind of eclectic taste. I I read from almost all of the genres, but my go-tos are literary fiction and romance. Um, So literary fiction uh, typically is going to be more emotionally heavy. Uh, And so the reason I say romance is because I often mix in romance in order to kind of um, lighten the mood from book to book. Uh, because I really love those those uh, literary fiction novels that kind of break your heart. But at the same time, um, reading three of those in a row can be tough on me emotionally. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I like to mix it up a little bit. Um, and the truth is, I typically have... A number of books going on at any given time, usually a kind of a main book, which would be, you know, literary fiction, contemporary fiction, maybe a mystery uh, and then a nonfiction title and then usually also a romance. And that way I can have the option to dig into the book that feels right at any given moment. I just have to be sure that they're different. So they have to be, um, you know, I can't read a novel that is similar in topic to the nonfiction that I'm reading. I I need some separation uh, so I don't get confused or mix them up. Oh, yeah, Um, for
0: sure. I know I read, I don't even even in nonfiction, we've read like, say, maybe two months in a row. We've read books that were very similar. And then when I go back and think about it, I don't remember which ideas were in which book because yeah. it's so and you know one book may even reference the other one and then your brain just can't can't handle it. So if you say you're reading two like you know period stories from, you know the Downton Abbey era or whatever, you're you know the Victorian era, you're going to uh
1: might your brain might confuse those a little bit. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. I I've, I've learned I have to have a system in place in order to keep that from happening for me. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So you kept a book review blog for it looks like at least eight years. I'm curious how that got started and what role did it serve for you?
1: So the the blog really began uh, as a place. For to hold my book reviews. So I'll be honest, I didn't really expect anyone to care about my reading life or, um, or even look at the blog. But I like the idea of having all of my book reviews in one central place that I could, um, and frankly, I just liked looking through them. I liked kind of going through and being like, oh, I remember that book. It was kind of a comfort thing for me. Um, and initially, I think it was probably just me and my mom <laughs> looking at my book reviews. Um, but over time, I started having people reach out to me and say, you know, I saw your review on this book. You know, I'm I'm reading this one. You may like it and asking me for recommendations. And so it, it, it kind of became... Um, a place where I could share my reviews with people and, um, kind of develop relationships with people. And I, I really liked how it helped me organize my reviews, but, and quite frankly, hold me accountable to write them. They're important to me. Um, but sometimes life gets in the way and it can be easy to be like, Oh, I'll do those reviews later. I'll do those reviews later. Especially when you read at the volume that I do, uh, I read around 200 books a year. So it's, um, it, it was helpful to me to have one central place that I could go. Um, And I love doing that, but recently have not been, um, doing much with the blog, partly because I, I, my the stats on the blog, people just weren't going there. Uh, and I was finding, um, that I was going there less and less and posting there less and less and making, finding that people were in other places, uh, talking about books, uh, such as Instagram and Goodreads and kind of shifted my focus there. I, I, struggle a little with it. Part of me wishes that I had kept on with it because I think it's nice to have that history there. Um, but for now, I put, I put it on a little bit of a hiatus and um, we'll see. I, I may go back to it. I liked the process of blogging, um, but you know, with limited time and resources, I uh, had just decided it was time to focus elsewhere. Uh, but I love going back and reading my reviews. I do that all the time. All right. So before we get into these other places
0: you're hanging out, I need to know what your tendency is, because you mentioned the, the accountability from having a blog. Uh,
1: yeah, I am an obliger. Yes. Um, And so having that little bit of accountability uh, is helpful to me.
0: Yeah, that's, I think that that stood out. And I know you're interested in, you know, personality frameworks and things like that. So I'm just, I'm, we're always curious. And we've talked to a number of our podcast guests about their tendency as well. And we've read several of Gretchen Rubin's books in our book club. So it's just, it's just fun to see how that influences people's choices and what they need to to keep going. Because all these things, these are, you know, you don't have to keep a blog. You don't have to review any books, but to have some sort of system to do something that you want to do Makes it a little bit easier, particularly if you're an obliger or have that type of personality that would be served by that. Yes, definitely. So you've been on Goodreads for almost as long as you've had the blog since about 2010. Uh, I'm curious, like, what, how does Goodreads help you keep your whole reading life organized? And how have you seen that differently from your blog? And, you know, share more about that. Cause I, you know, I'm kind of a half hearted Goodreads person. Like, when it pops up in my Kindle app and it says, please review, I press a button, but beyond that, I don't do much.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So I I adore Goodreads. I love it uh, from the minute I found it, um, and have been pretty actively involved on Goodreads since 2010, uh, for a few reasons. So I, I, I kind of used to track my reading life, uh, in a notebook and I kind of would write down, you know, here's the book I read, here's the date I read it, uh, and give it a, Quick star rating. Um, but it was really difficult for me to find a particular book or confirm that I've read a book. So finding Goodreads where I can enter in that data and, and quickly and easily um, get to it has been so helpful in terms of organizing. Uh, it really allowed me to kind of categorize all of the books that I've read and want to read. Um, and i you know, I don't do a whole lot of rereading. I read reread occasionally, but I was finding myself reading a book and I would get two or three chapters and I'm like, this is really familiar. And then I would realize, oh yeah, I read this like four years ago. Um, so the, Goodreads, if nothing else, helps me not to do that as much. Um, and so now I, I enter every single book that I read into Goodreads um, and try to write a review of some sort and rate it when I'm finished. And, and again, I also track things that I want to read, uh, as well. And I I think one of the things that I like most is it, it does give me a sense of accountability. As we talked about me being an obliger, it does, um, help me to have a place to go to regularly to update what I'm doing. Um, and what I've been reading, I, don't always do it uh, as quickly as I would like. I'm a couple of months behind at the moment, um, but it it calls to me. And, and there's a great community there if you spend a lot of time there. Um, and I've learned a ton about how to use the systems that they have in order to manage my um, book life and reading life a little bit more effectively. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Absolutely. Um, so for example, using their bookshelf functionality Mm -hmm. has been really helpful for a couple of reasons. Um, you know, it allows me to kind of categorize books a little bit more easily. Um, and But sometimes I really will know, hey, I want to read something that's nonfiction, uh, but I don't know what, and I can kind of go to my nonfiction shelf and look through and see what jumps out at me, uh, which was really difficult to do when I um, ha- kept it all on paper. And then it also, like I've mentioned earlier, helps me to avoid purchasing things multiple times. But what I love probably more than than anything is that I'll be at dinner with someone and that or you know, at a meeting and someone will say, you know, I know you're a big reader, you know, do you have any recommendations for me? And I can just open that app and look at a shelf because I know they love romance or I know they love nonfiction uh, and kind of take a look at what I've read and what I loved and cater my recommendations accordingly. Uh, Instead of kind of like, oh, I don't know, what have I read lately? I can't even remember when I'm on the spot.
0: Well, especially Um, since you read so much, I can imagine that, you know, just having the list
1: helps you Get your brain around it. Yes, definitely. So there's those the bookshops, and and you can also export them to Excel. So sometimes I'll do that so that I can organize them in an Excel spreadsheet So I, I really like Excel. Um, <laughs> you're so, you're um, home and
0: after my own heart. If I, if it's data, I will put it in a spreadsheet. So I
1: get that. Yes, yes, so I I do that on a regular basis and um kind of take a look at what I've got in there and and um and it helps it just, I don't know. It, I, it makes me uh, feel much more organized than I was before kind of just flipping through a book. So.
0: Well, you raise a really important point here. So recently I was at the library with my daughter. She was checking out a whole bunch of books and I'm like, you know, I haven't read a lot of fiction in a while. I'm going to go upstairs, grab something. And I didn't have anything in mind. So I was just wandering a little bit and this book popped out and I was like, Oh, uh, this is, uh, the hopefuls by Jennifer Close. And, I was like, I've always wanted to read that. And I sit down at home that night. I start reading it. I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure I already read this. (laughs) And then so I told my friend Alyssa, who you guys heard on the podcast um, a few months ago about this. And she's like, you know, if you were keeping track in Goodreads, then you would know that you had already read this. (laughs) Yes.
1: Yes. So I need to do a better job of that myself. It's it's tough, but... and Goodreads, uh, you know, it has its its benefits and its uh, downfalls, but that shelving ability has really it saved me money, <laughs> it saved me time, uh, and just made life a lot a lot easier for me. The the other thing that I should mention, which um, is that Goodreads has really brought me uh, a community in the same way that Simple Scrapper has for my scrapbooking, mm-hmm. uh, life. So I'm part of a number of, of online book clubs as part of Goodreads, but one in particular has kind of been my reading home since, um, probably 2015. It's a pretty small group, uh, where we have a very active membership and they've become some of, uh, the, my closest friends. And it, it's just lovely to be part of a group of people who understand, um, when reading and books are so important to you that get you in the same way that the simple scrapper community makes me feel about scrapbooking mm-hmm. and it's, it's made a huge difference. Um, this year has been a really tough year for our family and having those two communities, um, has made all the difference, um, and really helped me when I've been struggling. Uh, it's just nice to know there are people who get you and understand what's important to you. So that's another thing that I would mention that if you find, um, the right group, uh, on Goodreads, it can really make a difference.
0: Well, it's, it's always I, this thing I've been thinking a lot about because you know being a being a mom by itself can be lonely. But then if you're a mom and an introvert, that can be even lonelier. <laughs> but because even like having you know kids in the same school or you live in the same community, that's sure that's something in common. But that doesn't that often limits your conversation. You can only talk about you know the yard or the weather or whatever for so long. But when you have something that's so personal to you, whether that's, that's reading or memory keeping or, or whatever else you're interested in, it could be fitness that. That's what creates real deeper connections when you can find those commonalities. And that's how you make these friends that really remind you that it's all going to be okay. You can get through this. We've all been through the ups and downs. And we have this thing that can also serve as a huge um, outlet of, of gratitude and you know,
1: escape and, and relaxation when we need it most. Definitely. And, you know, what's interesting is that group on Goodreads of readers, there are five or six others who are also scrapbookers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, when I'm talking to them, it always reminds me that I think what attracts a lot of people to scrapbooking as well as to places like Goodreads is that love of story. And mm-hmm. yeah. when you value something uh, that much, I mean, I, I just think it's interesting. Um, I keep finding out that members of our group scrapbook, I'm like, oh, that's awesome. How cool, you know, that we have these two things that we love in common. That's really great. So this is kind
0: of a tangent, but I'm curious, you mentioned like Goodreads saving you money. I'm curious what formats you prefer to read in and read most often. Do you go to, are you a library person? Are you an e-reader person? Do you buy physical books?
1: Is it all the above? (laughs) (laughs) So it's so funny. Um, Up until probably the last year, I would have, said, I probably read 90% digitally on my um, my Nook or my Kindle. I have both. <laughs> um, and I still do read digitally. Absolutely. I read on my phone. I usually have a book going on my phone. I have one usually going on the Nook or the Kindle and have um, and one physical book. But lately I have been really um, not, you know, kind of feeling... Like, feeling physical books more than ever before. Um and it's gotten pretty expensive. <laughs> it's expensive <laughs> when you know you read at the level that I do. Um, so you know, I used to be a huge library user and then I kind of gotten off of it because of, um, the digital piece making it so easy, but now I'm finding myself back at the library. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I'm still buying books, but typically it's a book that I think I may want to revisit later. Um, I tend to buy nonfiction because I like to, um, really live with nonfiction and kind of make notes in the margin if I want to. I know some people find writing in books to be sacrilege, but I don't mind it. Um, but so I would say now I probably read, uh, 60% physical books and the rest digital. Um, but I, I, I love reading of any kind. There's just something though about holding a book, um, that's
0: nice. There is. There really is. I, yeah. Um, well, even like, cause some of them have that nice decal edge, even though it's like a new, brand new book and it just makes you feel like you're reading something special. I don't know. I, I get it too. There's a, there's a tangible aspect of it. Just like I like playing with paper here in my scrap room, <laughs> ha- holding a book in my hand has that experience to it as
1: well. Um, and, and I, I wonder if that, um, desire to read physical books again and this, um, kind of, me being drawn to the traveler's notebook and the, the physical product if all of that isn't connected in some way that um it's I find it comforting the physical aspect of um physical scrapbooking and um reading a physical book it's its kind of an interesting oh that's something to explore for sure yeah yeah, yeah. I
0: mean what, thinking about what you need in your life right now and you know maybe because you know i i from what I understand about your job, you do spend a lot of time on the computer as well with your spreadsheets and doing project management. And, you know, if you're not in a meeting talking about it, then you're, you're somehow organizing all that information. So, you know, getting off the computer can sometimes be something that we're craving for sure.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Um, so switching back to kind of where you hang out in this, this community aspect. So since you haven't been blogging as much, your current focus has been on Instagram. And that's where I think, you know, we've been friend on Insta- friends on Instagram for a long time, but you really, really transitioned your profile to be a book focused profile over the past year. So I'm curious, like why you made that shift and, and how that's going for you.
1: So I was finding myself posting more and more book content on my account and getting a lot of messages about, you know, asking me for recommendations and that kind of thing. So I just finally made the switch admitted, look, I'm a bookstore at this point. Um, my kids are getting older. They want their pictures online much less. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I finally kind of made the switch and moved from, um, my old username to Amy's book obsession. um, and I just love the visual nature of Instagram. Yeah, uh, I think that's what drew me there initially. Um, and I, I'll be honest, I don't do it because I want a lot of followers or I want to become a big name bookstagrammer or have, you know, lots of um, advanced reader copies sent my way. I mean, that that's all great. That's kind of like bonus stuff. I really do it because I love books and reading and and I love sharing what I read and I love hearing about what other people are reading. Um, And I have found Bookstagram to be a really wonderful place, really inviting, welcoming and supportive. Uh, And it started to feel like home to me in a way um, that the blog hadn't for a while. And I I think that's really been the true uh, reason for the shift in my focus.
0: Well, obviously, there's been a much larger industry shift where just the blogs aren't seeing the same kind of comments. And so if if part of your reason you're doing this is for community, you have to go where the community is. And right now that is on Instagram. Yes. And and so you mentioned Bookstagram. And if somebody is maybe not as familiar with Instagram or is new to using it for this purpose, you can kind of find that community by searching for the Bookstagram hashtag. Um,
1: Can you maybe elaborate more on that? Sure. So um, there are a ton of different kind of bookish hashtags um, that would allow someone to kind of uh, see what's out there in terms of Bookstagram. Um, Some of the ones that I have used that have kind of connected me to some really interesting readers are um, the hashtags read more books, um, book stacks for some reason, (laughs) people love posting book stocks and people love seeing them. And so I've found some really interesting accounts to follow, um, by following that, that hashtag. And then of course, readers of Instagram is another one that, um, that I think is a, is a good place to start, um, in order to begin to kind of see what's out there. Um, I do think that hashtags can be a tricky thing because they, you know, over time they change a lot. So, um, finding a few that, um, Are interesting to you and and look uh, and are giving you the kinds of things you want to see uh, is important. And over time, once you start following a few people, they're going to start telling you about people they follow. And before you know it, you're all, you know, all you're seeing in your feed is books and scrapbooking like me.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think that particularly (laughs) if you're, if you haven't been digging into whatever community it is, like starting with a hashtag is a great way to find people. And then once you start following people, you may not even need to dig into the hashtag as much because they're, they're tagging and referencing people that way. And it becomes even more organic. So you can get that, that first person reference to the next person.
1: Yeah, definitely. It definitely spirals quickly, too. (laughs) <laughs> it does, it does. I was getting ready to say all I see is books, books, and books. And I'm like, no, I see books, books, scrapbooking, books, more scrapbooking. <laughs> you know, it it very it, de- it definitely that, lo- that logarithm kind of um, focuses on what your interests are. So that's that's really interesting to see how that all all plays out. I also would recommend someone who is interested in getting kind of involved maybe in a in a in a bookstagram community to look for kind of projects or Instagram book clubs, uh, that, because that can really help you kind of get started. Um, a couple that I love and, um, and definitely recommend are one is the unread stuff, uh, project. So there's a hashtag, um, unread Shelf Project 2019, and Whitney, who uh, her uh, username is the Unread Shelf, she organizes this group of folks who are are trying to read more of their unread books on their shelves, um, and it's really given me the opportunity to. Um, Kind of focus on that because that's something that I, you know, I have a lot of books in my house and that have not been read. And I, you know, it's easy to kind of just sit them there and read what's new and what's just grabbed your eye. But her, she challenges um, the folks who follow that hashtag to um, really focus on that in very specific ways. So um, I loved that. And then also um, there is the Modern Mrs. Darcy Book Club. So Anne Vogel, who has a blog, Modern Mrs. Darcy. If if you uh, aren't following her and you're a, a reader or a book lover, you might want to take a look. Um, she has great content, but she has a book club and that hashtag is hashtag MMDBookClub. And I have found that a lot of the folks involved in that um that book club read very similarly to me Uh, and so I have really kind of found a, a community there that um that I really like and so that those are examples of ways that you can get involved in that community and find other people who uh love books and reading like you do
0: very cool. Well, of course, we also have our Simple Scrapper Book Club. Yes. And I'm just I can't believe in some ways, it seems like it's gone so fast. In other ways, it feels like we've been, you know, it's just month after month, this will be our fifth year in 2020. And I'm curious yeah. what you think makes this group so special or different. Um, because it is is—it's the group of scrapbookers talking about personal development books, a little bit of memoir, you know, in ways that how can we apply all of this wisdom that for the most part is not about scrapbooking at all, but how can we apply that to our hobby?
1: I remember when you announced the book club and I was like, Oh yes. (laughs) I, I, it, I it just, and you know, given that these are two really important things in my life, the way that you connected them with this book club, just I, I just loved it from the start, and have been a big fan. And I just love how uh, the book club allows readers to read a book that they may have read that you know wouldn't have necessarily thought would apply to their scrapbooking hobby, and then through the discussion and the chats as well as the discussion guides really be able to connect it to the hobby. Um, I also think that everyone is so supportive and thoughtful during the discussions. Someone always seems to find like a nugget in, in, uh, the book that I, I, it just really crystallizes something for me and I completely would not have gotten it if not for those discussions. Yes. Um, I just, I just love our community. And I think that book club has been a really amazing way for all us all to connect and learn from each other.
0: I love it. Yes. No, me too. I mean, it's just, it's such a special time and, you know, and sometimes I know there's, there's folks who have read these books in the past and then they approach them with a new eye. Whether they read them again or not, our discussion guides that we share before, you know, so we share these discussion guides at the beginning of the month with a selection of quotes from the book and then there are discussion prompts that make those connections between this book and your life or this book and scrapbooking and it just gives you a whole new perspective on what you thought this book was about or could be about and how you can apply that to
1: your life. Yes, those yeah. discussion guides are amazing. I mean, even if I'm not able to read a book in a given month, I always take a look at those because they make me think about things in a way that um, that I hadn't. So I always get so much ahead of those. Well, and I love
0: that those maybe didn't, as you said, didn't have time to read the book that month. They can come to our conversation and participate even without the full context of the book because really the questions are about you. Like what experience have you had and the, the, the book is really just the prompt for going a little Bit deeper.
1: Yeah, that's one of my favorite things about our book club is that you don't have to read the book. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, you, of course, you get more out of it if you have, but, yeah. um, you know, most people, one of the things about book clubs is that they are hesitant to join them because they're like, I can't commit to a book a month. So the great thing about the Simple Scrapper book club is that you don't have to read the book and you can still get a lot of the discussion. And I also love that you don't get the book spoiled. So a couple of times I've, I joined the discussion not having read the book and then went and read the book later. And I didn't feel, I still like I still got a lot out of reading the book. Uh, I didn't lose anything by hearing the discussion. Um because the discussions are such a thoughtful, very focused uh, exploration of the concepts and how they can be applied to your scrapbooking life. But um, that's one of my favorite things as well, because I think it takes away a potential barrier for people who are like, "Ah, oh, book club, I don't know if I can commit to that. Yeah, both the
0: commitment aspect and the the no spoilers, because I mean, there's no... There's no big reveal at the end in all of these. Oftentimes the bulk of the content is in the first two chapters and then the writer keeps writing. (laughs) But that's, I mean, that's just the structure of of these types of books. Um, But I think that's an important point because people can feel like, Oh, I don't want to come if I haven't read the book yet. And those, that's two really good reasons why it's okay to come anyway. Yeah, definitely. So you are one of very few number of people who have seen our 2020 book list. I'm curious which book on the list you are most
1: excited to read. It's a great list. I have to tell you, it's really, choosing one is really difficult. But the one that jumped out immediately is Digital Minimalism by Cal Newport. Okay, yeah. Um, Yeah, he wrote another book called deep work, mm-hmm. um, that I enjoyed. And I got a lot of practical information out of that, uh, that I was able to then apply to my, both my personal life and my work life. Um, and I've had a lot of my reading friends who have read this book, uh, and has talked about how it's changed their life. Um, and you know, given how digital our lives have become, I'm really interested in seeing what he has to say about it. I think he typically is very thoughtful um so that's the one I'm probably looking the most forward to, but there's a lot of really good books on that list.
0: yeah, I can't wait to share the whole list on November 1st um, I th- yeah, I think that one in particular i'm I'm cu- very curious about. Um, mm-hmm. and it's almost like like with Marie Kondo, I know I'm going to be able to accept some of this this uh, wisdom here, and some of it may not apply to me, but that's something that I'm craving. I know I need more minimalism, more simplicity, a little bit more focus when it comes mm-hmm. to my online life, but we have but, I am not anticipating this book's going to tell you you should just get offline and that's the solution. It's going to be what is practical and how 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 can we shape our lives in a more intentional way given the fact that
1: it is so pervasive and so much a reality for us now. And that's really what interests me about this book is that one of the things that I hear over and over people talking about who've read it is that it has changed their online life and their digital life in significant ways, but it didn't, it didn't preach to them that they should, you know, abandon all online things, um, but really helped them pinpoint what are the things that are bringing them joy and, and helping them prioritize those things in a way, um, that really made sense for their life. So I'm really excited for that one. I think that there's a lot of great, um, things that we can apply, um, to our, our life from that book so i'm
0: really excited about that one very cool me too yeah i think november is going to be a big month at simple scrapper this is plan your year month and uh, the book club will just is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to announcements and big reveals and things that we are going to share during november so yeah please uh Put a big star on all of November for your calendar because you're going to want to pay attention and, you know, uh, dig in a little bit with us, particularly as we're going into 2020. Well, Amy, this has been so fun. I've so loved getting to hear more about your reading life. And yeah, I appreciate you so much and all that you do for our community. I mean, you are really, you know, you don't get a lot of uh, press, as they say, because a lot of what you do is behind the
1: scenes, but we couldn't do what we do without you. Oh, thank you. all. I love Simple Scrapper. I love working with you and the rest of the team. Uh, So thank you so much for having me both on the podcast today as well as uh, part of the the community because I love it.
0: Well, everyone out there, thank you so much for listening. And remember that you have permission to scrapbook and read your way.